0: IT businesses in Sacramento. From somewhere deep in the cloud and the corners of the earth, this is the Killing It podcast with a focus on helping you make sense and dollars of all things IT with your hosts, Dave Sobel, Ryan Morris, and
1: Carl Polichuk. Welcome to episode 118 of the Killing It Killing oh. it. Oh podcast. This is Carl and I'm joined today by Dave and Ryan. How are you two gentlemen today?
2: Really good. Excellent. And I will say as the world turns and uh, unfortunately larger and larger sections of it burn quite literally uh, up here in the Pacific Northwest, we are looking at the next three days of triple digit temperatures so all i gotta mm-hmm. say is for all you people that are used to 100 degrees and and think oh it's dry heat, it's fine it's whatever uh those of us up here in the pacific northwest we we stay inside when it goes above 85 and it's about to be 102 in seattle this weekend so welcome
0: wow. to the club yeah wow, it's, uh... it's a gorgeous 75 in your nation's capital today is <laughs> <laughs> <We,
2: we laughs> uh This is the thing. We we didn't ever intend for this to become the weather report, but there are times when it has a direct impact on your life with the temperature and the cicadas and all of the things that we have to deal with now that we're actually going back outside into the world on a regular basis.
0: Hey, I went away for the weekend stayed in a hotel like and, and it was legitimately the first nights i'd spent outside of the house in since this all started Woo-hoo. so finally we crossed that line we went away from my wife's birthday uh we went with some friends up to a lake resort up in western maryland which was gorgeous and the weather was great and it was still hovering around 70 72 like all weekend like we're we're in prime beautiful summer right it's now it's just like being normal Exactly, it's
2: just like being normal. It was pretty. See, normal. and that's the thing, right? It, uh, it, it, You never know what you've got till it's gone. And so now, even simple things like just going to eat on a patio outside of a restaurant—that's a very good celebration these days. But uh, I've, I've been to soccer game, baseball game. I've been to like large group gatherings and a, and a family wedding uh, I'm, i've got a whole list of things that i really miss and want to get back to eventually so Hopefully it doesn't stay above a hundred degrees and I
0: have fall in the process concert tickets next month. I'll do my baseball game starting for, uh, for next, next week and then uh, we get into actual concerts. So it's, it's back back feeling normal again. It's exactly. Awesome.
1: So one of the good things that come out of all this is uh, at least in Sacramento, you know, they, they dramatically expanded outdoor seating for lots of things. And, Now they're saying, hey, you know, should we close this back up now? And all the restaurant owners are like, no, 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 no. We totally love having all this outdoor seating, right? There was no good reason not to have it before. So just let us keep it. Yeah,
2: entire city blocks should just be blocked off with no car traffic so that we can set tables and chairs out in the street and enjoy eating outside.
0: We've, we've actually There's no thematic problem. change here at all. No thematic change. <laughs> Everyone's totally going to be the way it was.
1: <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by the Small Biz Thoughts technology community. Check us out at smallbizthoughts.org. Forms, templates, and checklists are just the start. Our community includes all of the best-selling books on managed services in all available formats. Plus, Free training, members-only programs, and the best business training available to managed service providers anywhere. Plus, we have weekly live members-only Zoom calls. The average member saves more than 200% of their membership cost each year. We are totally dedicated to your success. Just because you're in business for yourself doesn't mean you have to go it alone. Join us today at smallbizthoughts.org.
0: So our first topic, I want to dive in on Apple and healthcare because Apple has uh, apparently took over a health clinic, like took over the low, one of the clinics right by their campus, and put in an Apple employee doctor and made uh, put their own employees into place and tested plans for the delivery of primary care of healthcare. Uh, they were trial, trial it out, and the efforts have sort of stalled because they're still questioning the data collected through the service, um, and their idea being that they're going to focus on integrating data collected from Apple Watch with clinical care and offering a subscription-based program for personalized care. They, uh, they took over an employee health clinic and used it as a test site. I want to throw out there a ra- ruckus decision of how do we feel about tech companies like Apple taking over healthcare? care? The, the weird part is that
1: the, the transition from Apple Watch to data is fairly smooth. And if they even had an online place where you would go and it would say, here's your Apple Watch data and here's all this other related data that we can collect. And here's our recommendation. I'd kind of be OK with that when they jump the, the shark and uh, and basically get into a completely unrelated business. Like the fact that you have a watch really doesn't qualify you to open up a doctor's office. Um, I, I wonder whether they just have too much money and have lost focus on what they do for a living. Well, well I think they
0: have too much demand for more for more services. So when you get to a certain size, the only way to continue accelerating growth is find really large markets and move into it. I'll actually admit and I love disruption of healthcare because that is a horrible industry in the US uh, for the way, and it is totally deserving of disruption. All disruption uh, is welcome. Right. And so if you've got a hungry uh, tech industry looking for new spaces, I'm kind of okay with them disrupting. I am not sure how I feel about other players in this. This might be, you know, if if you said Apple and Microsoft were involved in healthcare, I'm less scared than say, oh, I don't know, Amazon and Facebook when I think <laughs> and Google. <laughs> so, you know, for for me it's the I definitely want it to be disrupted. I'm not sure which players I'm comfortable with.
2: Well, and and this this is the thing, right? In the conversion of a few random acts that became a trend that might actually become a new industry disrupting what we currently know as healthcare. I, I think we've all appreciated over the last year and a half the, the increase in the ability to participate in telemedicine visits. I can see my doctor without getting in my car and driving across town, uh, whether, it's, uh, whether it's a primary care physician uh, or any other form of medicine. There's certain things they need to be present to perform and there are other things that can be done remotely. Well, telemedicine is interesting digital medicine is infinitely more interesting. Uh, Dave, you mentioned the Apple Watch and the amount of data that they track. I occasionally will just go in there and look and see what it knows about me. And every time I do, I am reliably blown away by how much they know about me. And if that data were actually usable or available to a healthcare provider, how much more personalized and real-time and meaningful, my healthcare experience would actually be. Like, it's not just that they can track all of this data, but are there any doctors in the world who are presently set up to receive and utilize that data? I don't think they are. And if Apple can just, even just for the sake of prototyping it, right, step over there, show the clinical side what it would look like, and then go... Here's a franchise model. All y'all go do this thing yourselves. That could be a very good thing. I'm okay with Apple's approach to extending data into healthcare. What I'm not okay with is, and you mentioned it specifically, Amazon has an approach to where they just have enough market heft that they just want to consume the healthcare industry and then offer it as a competitive alternative I'm not innovating on anything necessarily just a competitive price undercut the way that they do in retail the way that they do in grocery in a lot of other industries I'm not okay with that approach. Well, but this so approach- interestingly
0: this is uh, all of Apple's iOS 15 announcements are about exactly what you just talked about the ability for a individual to share that data with a doctor that is set up for this. Interestingly, what my, so I, I do concierge medicine because I've I'm, I'm already wanted to experiment with that level of uh, interaction with my doctor. My doctor is on one of the six supported platforms, and I have actually already been talking with him saying, I am comfortable with being your first patient trying this out as you figure this bit out. I am comfortable sharing that data with you because, by the way, I have five years worth of health data that my Apple Watch has collected on fitness and all of the bits. And, yes, it adds new data with each bit, but I've got all this historical data. We can now import this in. You can get access to that in real time. And, by the way, link that with your regular clinical stuff. In theory, this is just a matter of setting it all up. I'll be able to report back about how it works with an actual physician.
1: Again, I like like all of those pieces. The only part that just seems like a disconnect for me as you know, think about it, like as an Apple investor, are they like sticking to their knitting or are they just saying, hey, we can go buy this market because we, we are big enough. We can do whatever we want. And is that a good thing in the long run? I mean, I I just want to point out one of the lessons for IT service providers. Dave sort of touched on this, but let me be super clear. There's a point at which the only way for you to make more money is to offer more services, not more hardware and software. (laughs) Right. So even Apple finds that they have to offer services to expand. But it, you know, unless they like bought some other company, it just it doesn't seem to me like they're well, the right
0: fit. So let me let me let me challenge that a little bit and say, like, if you believe Apple's core competency is devices, right? Which has a there's a, an element to say, like, okay, this is this is a space healthcare can be in, but also customer service and data management. There's a pretty strong argument that those are skills necessary in healthcare. That one of the, the the number one things that bother me about the healthcare experience are the customer management experience, right? And the way the systems work in terms of dealing with me. Apple can fix all of that. Oh, and by the way, they have the giant piles of cash to fix the insurance side of things too, because they could redetermine the way that they bill and subscribe, they've got the heft to do it. So I guess I'm, I'm sort of throwing back and saying like, well, Carl, I hear you, but maybe it's not as much of a stretch as you might think if those are their core competencies. Well,
1: I think I, I buy into their competencies, including data and devices. I've not actually heard a lot of raving customer service stories about how good Apple's customer service is.
2: see, I agree with you. I don't think it's directly customer service. I think it's more accurately customer experience because the one thing that every Apple customer who has a MacBook and an iPad and an iPhone and an Apple Watch and, 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 right? The one thing that we all will readily acknowledge is... I take a photo on my phone and it's instantly available. It's stored in the cloud, it's available on my other devices. I think maybe what the logical extension for Apple's business is here is that their their domain expertise is not devices, it's not data management, it is integrated digital experiences. And if that is focused on entertainment, on music, on telecommunications, on business computing, on et cetera, et cetera, uh, then the integrated digital experience of digital medicine—that that goes perfectly in line with that universe of what their capabilities are. Well,
0: we'll see. <laughs> Watch this space. Yeah, I just uh, I I
1: wonder whether they will do what several other large organizations have done when they have too much money to say at some point. Yeah, hey, you know what? That turned out to be boring. <laughs> I'm not going to do it
2: anymore. <laughs> <laughs> These are problems that I wish I was trying to solve in my own world. Uh, let's jump into our second topic, guys, because it, it is one of the things that was pinging in my brain during our first topic conversation. Uh, digital integrated experiences are really cool as long as the data you contribute to that environment is actually private and we all know that's just not true. And so the the article that we're linking to here for our second topic is about a proposed new agency at the federal government level specifically focused on the idea of creating and enforcing standards and experiences around data privacy. Now, what I will say is I don't think at at the at the outset anybody is thrilled with the idea of yet another federal government agency trying to solve anything. But I will absolutely admit, so far, I've not yet seen any other entity that's capable of dealing with this scale of problem. Privacy, everybody gets emotional about it. We all believe that it ought to be true. And yet we continue to live in a world where it is just fundamentally not Presently available. You know your data is out there. It's been bought and sold on the dark web 500 times. You know this. Is the government the right place to solve this problem and any advice you guys would have for the new cabinet level position that might be responsible for data privacy? Oh, I'm so I'm all for this. So
0: like, look, uh, data protection agency. Like, first off, it's cool, right? Like, it sounds awesome. But <laughs> but let's, but let's actually highlight. We always talk about the fact that you need specialized skills to understand technology when you're implementing it at a governmental level. The only way that happens is dedicate resources to it, and thus the way to do that is actually have dedicated humans focused on that. One of the easiest way to do that is create an organization. Like that's. That, that then their mission is doing this. We talk all the time about data being the new oil and the value of data and all that kind of stuff. Well, we regulate all kinds of other things that have value. We have agreed there are certain out-of-bounds things. You need some law enforcement style agency to do it, and last I checked, unless you get experts on it, you don't get particularly good results. So, in at a high level, in theory, I'm All for this, right? The trick then, as anybody knows on this, is that funding and and the way that it comes together. But in theory, this is the right way to solve it. So I think what's interesting about this topic is that
1: all, so far, 99% of the action that we've actually seen on this within the United States has been at the state level. And so the states are moving on it. The states are doing things. The states are setting standards. Some of those conflict with each other, right? So... You know, don't, don't browse my webpage because it's based in California and now you're subject to all of our laws. Um, but at the federal level, I don't know that there is the competence you're looking for. Maybe it's, it's the place where they will gather that competence. I'd really like to see them start with setting standards and not being an enforcement agency. That's the part that, that just to me that instantly creates another layer of, oh, my God, paperwork. And I don't think it removes, eliminates, or clarifies anything at the state and local levels. It just adds more stuff. So I would want to tiptoe into this and let them demonstrate that they can do it effectively. um, Because as a rule... (laughs) Right. To be and fair, to be fair, effective.
0: they're starting on really big things. They're starting on things like mergers that include data of more than 50,000 users, like, you know, really, really high, big kind of stuff that does theoretically cross state boundaries. Like, you know, we need to have somebody that's dealing with that stuff at that level. Yeah, I, I'm,
1: not, I'm not questioning the state boundaries piece. I mean, clearly everything on the Internet crosses state boundaries. So that's, you know, they have, you know, they've met the requirements there.
0: Well, I guess what I'm saying is, as you talk about what I was focusing on as you're tiptoeing in, I'm saying that by, by some of the things being starting off as these really big things, as opposed to, it's not saying like, oh, we're going to do every data privacy thing at all. It's the, well, here's the big areas that we're going to focus on that are these particularly large areas of enforcement. That is a good way of tiptoeing in to figuring this out.
2: Well, and, and this, is a, this is a question of size mattering where we are he not, said it yeah I know uh, we are not dealing with a few small companies doing a few small things that may pioneer a new trail of data vulnerability. We're talking the largest businesses on the planet that are presently and aggressively blazing whole new trails because there are no legal boundaries And to your point, Carl, until there are standards defined of what is okay and what is not okay, you can't enforce anything. You can't just say that wasn't nice or I didn't like it. There has to be a standard established, which requires some concerted effort, but then there will need to be a central place of significant scale that can actually do the enforcement. Because, again, you're not, you're not talking about you and me and Dave trying to control our own use of people's data. We're talking, what, 80% of the stock market gain in value in the last year went to uh, eight companies, of which seven of them would be specifically focused on by this particular agency. Uh, I, I think that this is one of those things where I agree with you, Carl. I don't need more bureaucracy. I don't believe that the current employee base of the federal government has the requisite knowledge. But if they built this thing, maybe they could attract that talent and then have that. Except,
1: I think, maybe I'm being too philosophical here. I would like to take a big step back and say, have we stumbled our way into a conglomeration of, of a mass of unconnected things that we somehow call privacy? Or is there any actual understanding of what is privacy and what needs to be protected? And I'll give you a a couple examples. So first of all, I think you should, I should be able to opt out of HIPAA. Like I don't care if you know that I have a surgery on my toe. Like I just don't care. You can spread that all over the world. Um, I also think that there are things in my life that are nobody's business. And I don't think anybody should have access to them or be able to make money off of them, right? Now, where you draw those lines is going to be different. You may not care about the privacy of this or that or the other thing. Why do we care about privacy? Is it simply to keep people from stealing our identity? Well, there are other ways to deal with that, including making it much more difficult to open up credit card accounts in somebody's
0: name. Yeah, But, but Carl, right? you, can, you can opt out of HIPAA. You control the, who gets that data. So you can tell anyone you want and you can authorize someone else to but say. But I can tell to pr-
1: uh, Kaiser, hey, don't worry about my records. I don't
0: care. Like I, that's like. Well, that's. But hold on. That's a Kaiser thing, not a law thing.
1: <laughs> I know. I that, like. I could but, publish my medical record myself. Well, but. But, but no. I mean. Keep the whole. This whole industry from applying laws to my data. Well,
0: a. Uh, true but what i'm also saying is, is there is a difference between what the law says and the way they've implemented it you can tell kaiser that you, they can disclose your information the fact their systems can't do it that's a different statement and so i want to separate out the like the law and the structure for no, enforcement. no no but that's actually a perfect
1: example of we have privacy laws about real estate and finances and you know healthcare and you know on and on and on but it's all been this conglomeration of things where if anybody says the word privacy,
0: everybody votes for it and we got a new law. And well fa- fair enough, that's sort okay. of a purpose. Well, but by the way, I believe we're making an argument for like for, for having actual centralized like people working on this and doing the definition. So I'm going to circle it back around and say or not. Some of the, <laughs> I believe one of the ways that we have to do it is, is if we want to address it, as I always say, if you don't want stuff dumped into the water system, you got to have guidelines. Sim- the way to simplify that is to bring some of it together. And we have to figure out at what level and where where, where that happens. I tend to believe some of this stuff happens at the federal level now.
2: Well, and and what we all know for sure, well-intentioned or otherwise, whoever was the lobbying group that influenced the actual development of existing regulatory uh, frameworks, what we would all agree about, whether they were good, bad, or otherwise, they're all reasonably toothless, right? Because there's nobody with a great big stick who has the central authority to evaluate, to identify problems and to enforce the rules or punish the breaking of those rules. I think there's two issues here. A, what is the definition of privacy and why does it matter? And then B, how do we actually enforce this stuff? I agree with Carl. Step number one, let's have some standards.
0: Well, so the takeaway here for providers is you need to be watching this stuff because it's changing but it influences what your customers do. You need to be keeping an eye on the way this all flows out because it's becoming pretty apparent that something is going to happen. So that's why you need to watch it.
1: And what we've mentioned about a thousand times on this show is it's coming, right? Exactly. So regulation is coming. All right, so our final topic today, we thought we'd get a little bit lighter, um, but focus on one of our favorite topics, which is, artificial intelligence, and another one of our favorite topics, which is beer.
0: Exactly. The moment you put beer (laughs) on the agenda, I was like, yes, please sign me up for this topic. So if, if you're not familiar with
1: Talkwalker, Talkwalker is an alert system that you can put in an alert and say, I want to search for uh, IT service provider or managed services or security or ransomware, whatever. And then you'll get a daily alert about um, things that it found on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and our blogs and news articles and everything. And it basically works by taking artificial intelligence and trying to figure out is somebody actually talking about what you think they're talking about. So they use their AI technology to evaluate comments on the Internet about breweries and then compile a top 20 or top 50 most loved breweries based on the expressions of joy and uh, appreciation that people had on the Internet. I think this is pretty cool technology. (laughs) Finally I found something useful to do with AI.
2: Well, I, I think it's a fascinating application of the technology because it's showing you that AI is not just for those antiseptic applications of machine learning where it spits out, this is the correct piece of data that you ought to be focused on. It ought to be able to e- evaluate and measure and identify highs and lows in actual human experiences. Unfortunately, I mean, the AI doesn't get to experience the emotion of joy, but it could certainly apply a set of attributes to identify it, whether in written or spoken language, in emoticons, in any form of human communication. If they can identify that and then tell you what is it that you are doing right or wrong and allow us to focus more on an accurate evaluation of whether people like what they're going through. I mean, I totally get that in the brewery world. I would also love to see that applied to my cable internet provider. I would love to see that <laughs> to apply to an awful lot of other industries where, uh, joy is not what I would associate in, in the emotional rainbow with those guys. But I mean, uh, Call center technology has been implementing AI for the purpose of measuring customer sentiment for a number of years now. That concept out to the broader world at a mass level like this, that's very powerful.
0: Well, so remember for our listeners, one of the reasons why they do reports like this is to do a relatable example of how the technology is used. You know, so for for example, the, the the experience of the brewery and their Christmas ale. This is a very relatable example. That is why you're supposed to latch onto it. So I want to make sort of two quick points around. The first is is I'm totally on board with the, you know, with the technology and the way this is used. I will always say, uh, add on the make sure you look for the ways it could be used badly. Like there's all kinds of implications <laughs> of the way this could go bad. The point I want to make on this is. Oftentimes, we overcomplicate the examples or the description of the way we talk about things with customers. Use this as the type of example to make things very relatable to your customers. And for me, that was the takeaways. We're having this AI conversation, but it makes a ton of sense to me when it's about understanding which beer was like the most popular and most talked about online. That makes the technology implementation very relatable. There's so much in tech that we're really, really bad at doing this on and spending more time here, from my perspective, is what the takeaway was. There's also
1: some really good branding information here in terms of uh, it, it can do you no harm if your brand is loved. Right? If your brand is hated, that's also going to, I mean, they could have gone the other way, right? <laughs> they could have right. found your cable company. Um, but. Instead, focusing on love actually focuses on many positive things that people are trying to bring out with their brands. Uh, We started by talking about Apple. Dave loves Apple. So by default, he's predisposed to be okay with new services from Apple, right? Other people love Alexa or, or Amazon or whatever. I don't know that anybody loves Facebook but (laughs) let the research begin. Uh, Anyway, bottom line is it's kind of interesting to see new ways of using technology to look at stuff that as Ryan said, it's not as sterile as, you know, did this meet certain criteria? Well, no, like what does joy look like? What does appreciation look like when people just are doing whatever they do on the internet?
2: See, and, and this is the thing, right? In terms of two very practical takeaways that I have here, UI and everybody listening to this program needs to think about what are the meaningful business outcomes that you can deliver with technology. Do your customers actually pay you because you are really good at ma- monitoring and managing network and server and storage apparatus, or do they actually just want to be able to do their jobs without disruption without uh, confusion without loss of pertinent data or the inability to connect and communicate with customers you do not sell the thing you sell you sell the outcome that comes from it and anything that could be attached to a proposal you could submit to a customer that says hire me and for x amount of dollars every single month i will perform whatever secret voodoo I do with my technology services. And the outcome will be people will love your brand and we can measure and verify that. Holy crap, you could charge a lot for that service. That is a meaningful (laughs) business outcome. We should all think about that. The second tactical takeaway that I have apparently you got to get in line really early in order to get any of that Christmas ale that they are featuring <laughs> in this article. So, I need some of some of my friends and acquaintances in the Great Lakes area where this happens to give me a heads up when that's happening cuz now I really want to have some Christmas ale.
0: It's pretty true by the way, is all those
2: special releases, man, they are hard to get. <laughs> <laughs> And that would be a proper application of AI as well, figuring out your travel itinerary so that you can show up just in time to get the special release.
1: Well, and I, I have to say, this whole thing of using AI instead of surveys is a huge step in the right direction. Uh, you know, one of my favorite phrases uh, to remind people about reality is buyers are liars so if you ask people what they want they will lie to you they will say oh i want this or they you know i would totally buy that but then they don't right um but if you look at what people are actually saying and then try to tease out okay with these words mean these things um, you may eliminate some of the survey agencies that are out there or maybe they'll just adopt
2: ai technology Exactly. Because self-reported satisfaction surveys are notoriously, horribly inaccurate because people are trying to game the system and they don't actually know what it was about that experience that made them have a good time. They, they try to diagnose it and tell you about it. That doesn't mean they actually understand their own emotional situation. We get happy. We get sad. AI probably is a better judge of why than we are of ourselves.
0: That seems like a great place to end that one. (laughs) (laughs) Very good.
1: Well, cheers to you all. And thank you for listening to episode 118 of the Killing Killing It
0: Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Killing It Podcast. Please share with your friends and tell everyone to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and all the podcast places. Join us next week and help us keep killing it in the technology business.